Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.42 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's Monday the 13th, (laughs) September 2021. This is episode, what is it, 476 of Bitcoin. And it looks like somebody has copied the entire collection of bored apes and is throwing them up on Solana. (laughs) We told you this would happen. We told you, dude. So what's what's going on here? Well, let's look at this first um, this first tweet from Solanapes, S O L A N A P E S, and I I just I mean it's Monday, y'all. We might as well start with something fun. <laughs> I'm not advising that you get into this shit. Okay, that's not why I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this because. This entire NFT craze is almost, almost getting real close here to the absolute insanity of the 2016-2017 ICO craze. All right. right. Let me just give you an example in case you haven't heard one of the earlier shows where I talked about this. I remember it was like, I want to say it was around... I don't know, it was around summertime, I think, in 2017, or possibly even back in 2016. And when the One Vortex on Twitter was still around and uh, was part of the whole Mad Bitcoins crew, it was like Mad Bitcoins is the One Vortex and Tone Vase and a couple of other people, and they were doing, um, I can't remember, oh, I can't remember the name of the show. Oh my God, I was listening to it all the time. It it, it 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 doesn't matter. But Tone Vase and uh, the One Vortex was, I can't remember where they were. There was what town they were in, but it was a uh, conference of some kind. And they were talking to this, just this old, I mean, kind of like this ultra hot woman, man. She's just chilling out in a, in a bikini. And she's describing her story as she has become the chief operating officer of some bullshit ICO and the like she said that 6 weeks before she was homeless living under a bridge and she's talking about the project and while she's looking at vortex it's like tone vase is just about to lose it you can just see his face he's just like going this is the stupidest thing that i've ever heard well ladies and gentlemen we are we're right back here we we're, we we've come full circle this time, however, it's not ICOs, it's bored apes and a whole slew of other bullshit. So Solan Apes has this one tomorrow, which was actually yesterday, because they're they're saying that it was September the twelfth. Outcast apes will officially evolve into Salon Apes after being rejected from the yacht club for not being able to afford rising gas prices on Ethereum. The outcasts have had enough 
Solanapes marks a watershed moment for the NFT space. And then they have this picture of all these bored apes. It's like somebody just copied the entire NFT collection of bored apes and are going to throw it up on Solana. So let's continue here just a little bit more. <clears throat> Solana apes are a collection of 10,000 apes with completely unique trait combinations from the original bored apes of 168 traits, disassembled and reconfigured and layered to create a unique set of apes for the next frontier of blockchain technology. Somebody kill me right now, man. Current outcast ape owners on Ethereum will receive one ticket to a Salon ape. A snapshot has already been taken of the current ape owners on Ethereum. DM us your Ether scan, a verify sig with a comment of your outcast ID, and send us your Salon address. <coughs> Solana address. 25% of all sales will be donated to the Boys and Girls Club of America mission to enable the youth to reach their full potential. Every child deserves a place in the Yacht Club, even if us outcasts couldn't make it ourselves. Jesus Christ. So, yes, it's exactly what you think it is. Somebody has just literally copied the directory out of Bored Apes, and they're saying they reconfigured it. I don't even buy that shit. I think they just... I, I think they're just copying all the all the JPEGs and they're they're gonna sell. And what here's the sad part, they're gonna make a shit ton of money. People are gonna ape into board to the new version of board apes like there is no tomorrow. So what's even gets even funnier is is the uh, replies to this. Um let's see. CoinChrist says, should rename this project to First Solana Class Action Suit. <laughs> Another one says, uh, I've got enough cash to file a copyright infringement lawsuit if you guys release that. I know the other real apes will join me as well. You are really mis messing with the wrong people, pal. Oh, oh, I, ooh, yes, the, the terrible... The, the fierce destruction that you will rain down upon these assholes. I, I, I don't think it's a, oh, this one, I like it. Wow, this is so disrespectful of the great community that Bored Apes YC has built with so much effort. <laughs> you guys really need to take this down and try to come up with something of your own. Why? Why, why would they? It's, it's a free-for-all, man. And this is exactly why I tell people the following. If your NFT is simply some picture of something that the way that you interact with your NFT is to show somebody the screenshot or the actual NFT as a picture on your phone and say, look, there's no other one like this, man. This is the only one in the world and I own it. I own it all. And I can prove it. Look at my Ethereum, my Ether scan. Nobody gives a shit. There is no utility there, people. None, 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 none whatsoever. Right now, the only NFT that seems to have any utility whatsoever is going to be game objects in video games, whether they're skins, I don't know, <clears throat> uh, different, you know, rideable mounts, swords, spaceships, you know, shit like that. Why? Because that has utility. Yes, <clears throat> it's utility inside the, the, the world of being in a video game. And there's a lot of people that will say, well, you're just wasting your life. Yeah, I get it. 
if you're playing video games and you're not outside and meet space in the real world and, and, and doing things, yes, I get it. However, you can't just, you know, put your nose up at the fact that we're talking about a $200 billion industry, all right? Clearly, some people really enjoy playing video games, okay? This is, this is obvious. Because of that, you're not just going to be able to tell people, hey, stop wasting your life, get outside, because they either will or they won't. But $200 billion a year, yeah. So the only utility that I can see for an actual, you know, an NFT is inside of a video game right now. <clears throat> I'm sure there's probably maybe one or two other use cases that, that actually is an a honest to God use case. But showing somebody a picture of a rock that you paid a million dollars for so that you can confuse the living shit out of them to try to prove to them that you are really the only owner of this thing and that there is no copy. If I was in on the other end of that conversation, I would be so bored it wouldn't even be funny. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to engage with that. I would want to talk about something completely different. Your two-dimensional bored ape NFT is worth exactly shit. And don't think that it isn't. All right. <clears throat> now, over the weekend, I met up for the first time with a Bitcoiner that's actually in my area, uh, Texas Slim, at Modern T-Man. And we had an interesting discussion that lasted like, God, shit, we talked for like two and a half hours, man. And so it was really great hooking up with an actual physical Bitcoiner that is in my region instead of me, you know, traveling to Dallas and going to Bitblock Boom or something. Although I, I really wish I could have gone, but, I, you know, I wasn't able to go. Anyway, it was just not, it was just kind of cool. So he's got an interesting take on food and, you know, the way Bitcoin kind of fits into it and what's going on. It's, you know, take it for what it's worth. It's a little bit, you know, conspiratorial, I suppose. However, after what we've seen over the last, well, we, ce we celebrated 9-11, right? Okay. 20-year anniversary of absolute lies and utter bullshit. Now, it's clear that those buildings really were destroyed. I get that. It's clear that planes pretty much flew into them. I get that too. But the entire, and I don't even have to get into a conspiracy as to who pulled the trigger whether it was completely organic or not. All I know is it was used to destroy our rights as Americans. And it started us on a train ride to hell. And currently <clears throat> we're at the midway, you know, platform station of COVID. And it's probably just going to get worse. And if what Texas Slim is talking about actually starts to come to pass, then it's just one more thing that is going to demoralize the citizenry of the world. Here we go. As we transition into fall, we are soon to be faced with the Harvest of Deception, the UN Food Systems Summit, or UNFSS, including a pre-summit, will take place in September 2021 in New York. The Italian government hosted the pre-summit in Rome from 26th to the 28th of July. The UNFSS claims it aims to deliver the latest evidence-based scientific approaches from around the world launch a set of fresh commitments through coalitions of actions and mobilize new financing and partnerships. Despite claims of being a people summit and a solution summit, the UNFSS is <clears throat> facilitating greater corporate concentration, 
unsustainable globalized value chains and agribusiness leverage over public institutions. <clears throat> As a result, more than 300 global organizations of small-scale food producers, researchers, and indigenous people will gather online from the 25th to the 28th of July to mobilize against <clears throat> the pre-summit. According to the CMS, the UNFSS, founded on a partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, oh joy, is disproportionately influenced by corporate actors, lacks transparency and accountability, and diverts energy and financial resources away from real solutions needed to tackle the multiple hunger, climate and health crises, etc., According to the CMS, those being granted a pivotal role at the UNFSS support industrial food systems that promote ultra-processed foods, deforestation, industrial livestock production, intensive pesticide use, and commodity crop monocultures, all of which cause soil deterioration, water contamination, and irreversible impacts on biodiversity and human health. Those who contribute most to world food security, smallholder producers, are the most threatened and affected by the corporate concentration of land, seeds, natural and financial resources, and the related privatization of the commons and public goods. <clears throat> and these processes are accelerating it. The high-tech data conglomerates, including Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, and Google, have joined traditional agribusiness giants in a quest to impose a one-size-fits-all type of agriculture and food production on the world. Digitalization, artificial intelligence, and other technologies are serving to promote a new wave of resource grabbing and the restructuring of food systems towards a total concentration of power. The Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is also heavily involved, who would have guessed? Whether through buying up huge tracts of farmland, funding and promoting a much-heralded but failed green revolution for Africa, pushing biosynthetic food and new genetic engineering technologies, or more generally facilitating the aims of the mega agri-food corporations. <clears throat> I have traveled the Midwest this harvest season and will be releasing what I saw on the ground. I met with farmers, embedded myself into the harvest crew, spoke to the independent cattle men, ate the food from the land. We are in a major transformation of our food and nutrient supply. Use hashtag harvest of deception and hashtag food intelligence to stay informed. This time, it does matter. I'll leave it here. Why are they saying there was a crop shortage when farmers are storing 100-year-old seeds of wheat? in any silo that they can find. Wheat prices are down. Canola is up. What are we reaping? Nutrient deficiency is a plan, so get prepared. We talked about that whole canola and wheat thing uh, when we you know, met face-to-face, -face, but you, honestly, you might want to keep your eye on at Modern Tea Man, all one word, that's M-O-D-E-R-N-T-M-A-N. Goes by the, the handle Texas Slim right now. Um, you might want to keep your eye on this because he's going to drop some, he's going to drop some materials and read it for yourself, you know, to come to your own conclusions. I can't come to any conclusions for you, but, you know, some of the shit that we talked about is pretty eye-opening, honestly. And we've, you know, <clears throat> in this space, have become very conscious of nutrition. Clearly, we've got carnivores, we've got keto guys, we've got 
you know, uh, like uh, untapped, untapped growth is another gentleman that, I, that I've talked to, not face to face, but I've talked to him on, on several occasions. We're all concerned about not only the food supply, but the nutrient supply, because it's not just food. Shit, you got people that weigh 400 pounds that are functionally starving to death because what they're eating is pure crap. They're not actually getting any nutrition whatsoever, and they're, but they're gaining and, and just storing, packing on calories. You know, 18, God, when I go to the grocery store, I see like, you know, 12, six packs of, you know, you know, pint or yeah, pint bottles of Cokes hanging off the edge of a a cart that is filled with potato chips and, and all manner of shit. That's just grain dudes. Americans are the most expensive people on the face of the planet to medically insure. Right, let that sink in. Let's move on and get into some of the news. Finding a new home. Bitcoin miners settling down after China exodus. Let's see what the aftermath has. Elena Perez is writing it for Cointelegraph. A few months ago, the crypto industry was shaken up by the news of a mass exodus of miners from China. And at the end of May 2021, it became known that the Chinese authorities were going to ban Bitcoin mining bringing the already existing regulatory pressures on miners to a breaking point. The list of banned operations include purchasing cryptocurrencies as well as any related investment activities, crypto trading, and exchanging. The People's Bank of China had held substantive consultations with banks and payment systems, and then the largest Chinese financial institutions were told to stop speculative trading, in particular with Bitcoin. As a result, Bitcoin's hash rate showed one of the largest drops in history. China's share of BTC mining dropped 55% since the beginning of the year as many Bitcoin network participants turned off their equipment. This was confirmed as China's secondary market filled with GPU cards. Miners were actively selling cards. Oh, Jesus. Hold on. Hold on. This was confirmed as China's secondary market filled with GPU cards. Miners were actively selling those cards, including the all-powerful GeForce RTX 3090 and the Radeon RX 6900 XT at below market prices. Let's hold up for just one second and realize for ourselves just how badly this article is written. And who is it again? How it is that Alina Perez has absolutely no fucking clue what she's talking about. Why? Bitcoin hasn't been dependent upon mining since 2000 and what 11 2012 i'll give it before asics really started to come to the fore all right this whole thing yes it is true that the gpu cards did come online but that was because it wasn't just bitcoin that was getting shit canned in china right who who is it that uses gpu cards oh that's right it's ethereum Okay, the, the, these cards are coming online or, or rather coming onto the market <clears throat> because <clears throat> it was all crypto. You couldn't mine shit in China. The fact that she is not saying that these are because of the drop in hash rate of Ethereum, these particular GPU cards, is disingenuous and it's pissing me off. Every, every time I see a news story that shows like, you know, like Bitcoin mining, it shows a whole bunch of GPU cards that hasn't happened since 2011. Stop doing it. Dudes, <clears throat> this is bullshit, man. 
<clears throat> of course, not all miners capitulated, especially large pools. The logical way out of the situation was mining migration to other countries. But where did the Chinese miners move to and which countries can become the new mecca of mining? <clears throat> Before trying to find out where the miners are leaving, it is worth understanding why the Chinese government banned mining and what consequences such a decision will have on the crypto industry and even on some sectors of the country's economy. After the introduction of the ban, the largest mining pools were the first to react. Wobi, BTC.top, and Hashcow have ceased their activities in whole or partially. One of the largest crypto exchanges in the country, Huobi, suspended both crypto mining and some trading services for new clients from mainland China. Mining company BTC Top announced it was suspending its businesses in China, citing risks, while Hashcow has said it will stop buying new BTC mining stations. The largest producer of Bitcoin mining equipment in the world, Bitmain, suspended sales at the end of June 2021. The company made this decision after prices plummeted by 75%. The suspension affected only BTC miners while Bitmain continued to sell the equipment for altcoin mining. Of course you did. According to the Chinese government, the problem in mining was the high consumption of electricity. China, which was home to the most of BTC mining pools, relies mainly on coal, relies mainly on coal power, which produces a lot of pollution. Yeah, like they're going to shut those things down, right? No, they're not. They're going to build more. They're already doing it. <clears throat> but according to some commentators in the crypto industry, the real motive of the Chinese authorities was not to preserve the country's ecology, but to promote its own cryptocurrency, the digital yuan. Uh, no, now the development of the digital wand is in full swing. At the end of June 2021, subway passengers in Beijing were able to buy tickets using the digital wand. And two weeks earlier, the Agricultural Bank of China was the first in the country to allow its clients to convert digital wand into cash and vice versa. At the same time, the government appears to be actively suppressing competitors to the CBDCB. In 2020, the initial public offering of Ant Financial was thwarted largely due to Chinese authorities' fears that Alipay system payment would compete with the digital yuan. So, is it possible that miners were simply collateral damage on the way to the country's goal to support the widely implemented digital national currency? After all, the latest crypto ban did not prohibit anything new as existing restrictions were already spelled out in 2017. According to research by the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance on Global Bitcoin Mining from September 2019 to April 2021, China was gradually becoming less attractive for crypto enthusiasts. This can be considered a confirmation of the tough policy of the state's government. Nevertheless, the country's share of Bitcoin mining remained high and amounted to about 46%. However, as Fei Cao, CEO of Hobie Pool Point, or told Cointelegraph, quote, this year, the key trends for digital mining are an increased compliance and capital requirements, and these two trends seem more promising in the North American region, where mining is legal under local regulations, end quote. Cal's words are confirmed by the statistics, as the United States currently has more than quadrupled its share of world BTC mining from 4.1% to 16.8%. Over the years, the U.S. has been building up its hosting capacity long before the Chinese ban, even when the crypto market was experiencing a serious decline. American mining companies were especially active when large BTC farms were not in great demand, for example, in 2017. In addition, the U.S. has also become or also has some of the cheapest energy sources on the planet. 
Cheap electricity is also very attractive for large manufacturers of mining equipment. For example, back in 2020, Bitmain entered into a partnership agreement with digital currency group subsidiary Foundry, which provides funding to Bitmain clients from North America and supplies a large batch of devices for BTC mining. Kazakhstan has increased its global hash rate from 1.4% to 8.6%. Uh, Chinese companies have already taken advantage of, legal, of the digital currency being legalized. And I don't know exactly, don't know exactly what they're talking about there, but whatever, let's just skip it. <laughs> Large cryptocurrency miner provider Kanan announced in June that it had started mining BTC in Kazakhstan. Crypto mining firm Bitmining, which recently announced that it would expand from the Chinese market, plans to acquire 2,500 BTC miners for deployment in Kazakhstan. According to expert, the Chinese miners sent about 4,000 mining devices to Kazakhstan. Another important factor for Kazakhstan's popularity as a destination for miners is its rather low prices for electricity, where one kilowatt costs three U.S. pennies. Russia has also increased its global share in mining from 6.5, or rather to 6.5%. As in the case of Kazakhstan, Russia has a border with China, which is convenient when transporting mining equipment. The Russian Association of Crypto Industry and Blockchain in July 2021 outlined the advantages of mining in the country, highlighting a surplus of cheap electricity. Given the country's diverse climate, Mining farms can be installed in regions where cold climates, which will reduce uh, cooling costs while maximizing expected profits. <clears throat> Quote, the outdated mining machines in the industry have been retired, but at the same time, more advanced and new mining machines will be introduced to the market to make up for the lost supply. And somehow or another, that's the end of the entire article. But let's, let's kind of back up and, and talk about that last quote. Um, the outdated mining machines, ladies and gentlemen, are still being plugged in. Wherever it is that you, when you run the numbers and you're making more money through mining Bitcoin than you are spending on electricity, it won't matter what machine you're mining on. It just doesn't. Now, the old S9s, the old Antminer S9s, eventually, one day, will probably come offline permanently. But that day, dudes... That day is, is not today. All right, keeping with Southeast Asia, we'll, we'll read this one from Marie Juliet from Cointelegraph. The majority of Korean crypto exchanges are going to shut down this month, say insiders. The deadline for South Korean crypto exchanges to meet new compliance requirements is looming fast, with all operators expected to submit requests for an official license with the Financial Services Commission no later than September the 24th. Industry actors and representatives for smaller exchanges have contested the new requirements for much of the past year, yet without any success. Now, insiders reportedly expect that close to 40 of the country's estimated 60 crypto operators will be forced to shut down. The crux of their objection has been the obligation that all exchanges show evidence that they are operating using real name accounts at South Korean banks. The FSC has justified <clears throat> by arguing that there is a high demand from customers for more protection for their assets held at smaller crypto platforms, yet South Korea's banks have, for the most part, <clears throat> refused to engage in any risk assessment process for applicant exchanges except for the country's top four trading platforms. Upbit, BitThumb, Corbit, and CoinOne already account for over 90% of South Korea's total traded volume, and experts have in recent months made the case 
that the FSC's new framework is poised to further cement the country's crypto space as a monopolized market. Yeah, y'all be careful out there. Moreover, estimates by Kim Hyung Jong, a professor and head of the Cryptocurrency Research Center at Korean University, predict that the mass exchange closures will eliminate 42 kimchi coins, a moniker for smaller altcoins that are listed on smaller platforms and traded against the Korean won. Lee Chu Yi, head of local crypto exchange Fobblegate, has told the Financial Times that, quote, a situation similar to a bank run is expected near the deadline as investors can't cash out their holdings of altcoins listed only on small exchanges. They will find themselves suddenly poor. I wonder if regulators can handle the side effects. Oh, God, dude, end quote. With altcoins estimated to account for 90% of traded volume in South Korea's crypto markets, the FSC has reportedly advised those exchange operators who expect to shut down to notify their clients no later than September the 17th. Cho Yan Hang, president of Korean Finance Consumer Federation, has claimed that customer protection is unlikely to be the priority for those exchanges facing imminent closure and that huge investor losses are therefore expected due to the freezing of assets and suspension of trading on smaller platforms. Yeah, that's going to be a fucking bloodbath, y'all. And, get you know, what what is it going to do? It's going to suppress prices of all cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin will be included in that. Um, so maybe it's gonna, not going to be China FUD anymore. Maybe it's going to be Korean FUD. But hopefully this will just get done and it will be over, you know, over and out with very, very quickly. And we will be able to dispense of Korean exchange closure FUD. Uh, we need to clear the FUD. We really do. China is, we're already done with that shit. Now all we have to worry about is like shit like this. And honestly, it's going to affect Bitcoin's price when that does happen, because when it does happen, those small exchanges are not going to give one rat's ass about their investors or the people that hold coins in their, in, in their custodial wallets. They are either going to rug pull the whole the son of a bitch and, oh, I don't know, buy some bored apes and a bag full of fucking NFT rocks or something like that. Or they're just going to bail and just leave, you know, take whatever profit they already have and, and just go away. Now, the, the guys that are holding coins on those exchanges are going to get hosed. They're going to get hosed. It's going to be used against Bitcoin. Be prepared. Understand the landscape. Now, here's something. Now I don't I don't know it's right now it's a rumor so um by the time that I you know publish this podcast maybe we'll know for sure but rumor has it and we'll just read it from Helen Parts from Coin Telegraph that Bitcoin investors are reportedly exempt from taxes in El Salvador the government of El Salvador will reportedly exempt investors from paying a capital gains tax and an income tax on Bitcoin, according to, to a legal presidential council. Javier Argueta, legal advisor to President Bukele, is looking to encourage foreign investment through major tax breaks on Bitcoin. Uh, man, quote, if a person has assets in Bitcoin and makes high profits, there will be no tax. This is done, obviously, to encourage foreign investment. Uh, Argueta said, adding that El Salvador will impose no taxes on either the capital increase nor the income. 
He reportedly noted that the Salvadoran government would be actively tracing Bitcoin transactions on El Salvador's official Chivo wallet to combat potentially illegal use of the cryptocurrency. Quote, we are implementing a series of recommendations from international institutions against money laundering because apparently that's all humans do all day. Purpose built to launder money. Jesus. The Chivo wallet would also temporarily halt Bitcoin transactions on the application if Bitcoin value collapsed to minimize the impact of extreme volatility of, or plot price fluctuations. Last Tuesday, El Salvador became the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin, yes we know, as legal tender, uh, requiring all local merchants to accept BTC as a means of payment in cooperation with global companies like Bitso, uh, and Silvergate Bank, El Salvador launched the official BTC wallet known as Chivo, allowing users to convert BTC transactions into USD or withdraw using a special ATMs with no transaction fees. So <clears throat> on top of the no transaction fees, which we had been you know, told about, really, you're not going to have any income tax at all on Salvadoran citizens. Dude, if this ends up being true... The question becomes, how the hell do I get down there without like losing half of my wealth because of, you know, renouncing U.S. citizenship? And how long are they going to keep it intact? Is it going to be one of those rug pulls where they attract a whole bunch of people and then like two years later after you're all set up expecting, you know, no, you know, to pay no taxes on income, they go, oh, sorry. Telling you, man, I like what's going on in El Salvador, but you got to watch these people like hawks. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids and markets are up. Everything else is down. West Texas Intermediate up over a full point to $70.51 a barrel. Brent North Sea likewise up almost a full point, $73.62 per barrel. Natural gas almost a 2% rise, clocking in at $5.02 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline ticked up almost a full percent, $2.17 a gallon on futures. Uh, Peter Schiff not having a good day. Gold is still under eighteen hundred dollars, seventeen hundred, actually seventeen ninety exactly. Zero point one two percent to the downside on that. The silver is down over a full point, as is platinum, twenty three dollars and sixty two cents for silver, nine hundred and forty five point two dollars for platinum. Copper down likewise, but only a third. Uh, palladium is up one third. All agricultural futures are down except for rough rice and chocolate. Dow futures up 0.61. S&P futures up 0.58%. NASDAQ futures up 0.52%. S&P mini is up 0.54%. So somebody knows something somewhere. Let's talk about real money, which is, okay, yeah, it's down a little bit. $44,652.72, uh, 200,000 transactions sent in the last 24 hours. That is about 8,100 transactions every hour on the hour. But we have had 1.5 million BTC sent in that period, which is good. I like seeing well over a million Bitcoin being sent. I don't know why, but I do. That's 65,000 uh, <clears throat> BTC being sent per hour. 
Average transaction value is 8 BTC. Median transaction value has fallen precipitously to 0.013 BTC or $575. Block times are low, very low, 9 minutes and 17 seconds. 0.06 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. Almost a full 10 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We have a 6.38% bump in hash rate, bringing us to 138.33 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is taking it on the chin. Dogecoin at 23 cents. That's 23 US cents. Uh, let's see. Clark Moody is showing 8,600. Nope, ticked up. 8,700 transactions waiting on five blocks to clear. We have a $834 billion market cap, which is 7.11% of gold's market cap. And with our one Bitcoin, we may buy 24.8 ounces of shiny metal rock if we so choose. 18,814,516.5 BTC are in circulation at this time. 2,465 of which are in the Lightning Network, which is showing a capacity value of $109.7 million. 15,200 nodes are now operating in the Lightning Network that we can see. And we have over 70,000 payment channels that we can also see. Um, Tor nodes, uh, percentage of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network is 74.6%. That's uh, 1,800 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 9,790 nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. All right, part two of the morning roundup begins with angry dinosaurs raising their fist and yelling at Bitcoin in El Salvador. Samuel Haig has it for Cointelegraph. El Salvador's bonds suffer as Bitcoin law takes effect. Oh, okay. Well, geez. The attack surface is going to be pretty great. Just, I'm just saying. They're going to try to hit El Salvador in any way, shape, form, fashion that they can. And I was just, I wasn't even thinking about El Salvador's bond market. Usually I'm just thinking about U.S. But let's see what's going on. El Salvador's move to embrace Bitcoin has ruffled the feathers of bond investors with yields spiking as investors signal uncertainty for the emerging economy. A Wednesday report published by Bloomberg notes that recently the yield curve on El Salvador's bonds has inverted, meaning bonds with short-term maturities are now yielding more than is due from the instruments. It stated, quote, that's generally considered a bad sign as it means investors see shorter term de debt as riskier and most yield curves will slope upwards given the inherent uncertainty of pricing things over the longer term, end quote. Ben Emmons of Medley Global Advisors emphasized that El Salvador's bonds lost significant ground on the first day of its new Bitcoin law, describing the market action as an unwelcome sign that the wide use of Bitcoin may have major implications for the emerging country. Well, of course it will. Those implications can be good, too, by the way. Emmons doesn't appear to be alone in his assessment with Bloomberg's data showing that El Salvador's bonds began moving towards inversion in June, the same month during which the country's parliament passed President Nayib Bukele's controversial Bitcoin law recognizing BTC as legal tender. However, El Salvador's move to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender is not the sole force exerting bearish pressure on the country's bond market. Other pundits 
have emphasized Bukele's sudden ousting of the country's constitutional tribunal in May as a major source of negative sentiment regarding El Salvador's economic outlook, with Bukele having fired the country's attorney general and top judges. Since May, the spread between El Salvador's government bonds and comparable United States treasuries has widened by 77% as of August the 12th. Bukele's inability to secure a deal with the International Monetary Fund has also impacted the outlook of El Salvador's bond market. While El Salvador's Bitcoin law took effect on Tuesday, the rollout for the government-issued Chivo wallet saw widespread complaints about technical issues from citizens. Yeah, you want to talk about widespread complaints from technical issues. There's been many, many United States examples of a rollout of technology that was a complete and utter failure, even in comparison to the Chivo wallet rollout. So please, please, please stop talking about this. It's not that big of a deal. You're rolling out something that is historic. Of course, there's going to be road bumps. But getting back to the whole bond issue, they're just going to hit El Salvador everywhere where it could possibly hurt. Nobody in power in the world wants to see El Salvador succeed. Because if they do, it becomes a model for how other countries can escape the International Monetary Fund, the World Economic Forum, the hegemony of the U.S. dollar, all of that. Right? This becomes a case study in how to do it. So obviously, obviously, they don't want this shit to be able to happen. Just saying. Now, ARK Investment Management opens door for fund to invest in Canadian crypto ETFs. This is Coindesk, and it's being written by James Rubin. ARK Invest Management revised the prospectus for its ARK Next Generation Internet ETF to open the possibility of investing in crypto exchange-traded funds in Canada, according to a filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on Friday. Quote, The fund may have exposure to cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin indirectly through an investment in a grantor trust or in other pooled investment vehicles such as exchange-traded funds domiciled in Canada. The investment management firm founded by crypto bull Kathy Wood wrote replacing previous language. The amended document further states that the fund may invest in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust or other pooled investment vehicles that invest in Bitcoin, such as exchange-traded funds that are domiciled and listed for trading in Canada. Grayscale is part of the digital currency group Coindesk parent company, so there's a cover your ass right there. In a series of tweets, Bloomberg ETF analyst Eric Bachelness speculated that ARK was looking to replace ARK, uh, ARK's sorry, ARCW's investment in GBTC with Canadian ETF. ARCW holds over 8.5 million shares of GBTC, making it the second largest holding in the fund. Balkanis noted that GBTC is down 22% year to date, while the Canadian ETF has dropped only 6%. That's a pretty significant dispersion, and I'm sure that that's irking them. Yeah, I'll bet it is. But what's, you know, the real point here is that Kathy Wood, lover or hater, I don't really give a shit. She actually has to go seek Canadian ETF investment products. Why? Because the United States still has yet to have a Bitcoin ETF of our own. And if for whatever reason, Canada doesn't fit the bill for Kathy, guess where else she can go? Brazil. 
because yes, Brazil has Bitcoin ETFs open and functional down there. And yet the SEC, all it can do is delay and delay and delay. Now, I don't need Bitcoin to have an ETF, but it is a little bit embarrassing when the financial powerhouse of the world can't get off its ass and do the same thing that fucking Canada and Brazil have already done. That's honestly just kind of embarrassing. Now, this is interesting, I think. Virginia public pension funds double down on Bitcoin. Uh, Jeff Benson has it for decrypt. Two, not one, but two. Virginia public pension funds are seeking approval to direct inve invest directly in an investment fund that buys Bitcoin, other cryptocurrencies, and crypto derivatives. If given approval by their respective boards, the Fairfax County Police Officers Retirement System and Fairfax County Employees Retirement System will invest $50 million in a Paratexas Capital Management Fund, according to reporting from Bloomberg. Both retirement systems within Fairfax, the 40th largest county in the country, made news in 2018 for investing in blockchain technology when the ERS invested 0.3% of its holding into the Morgan Creek Blockchain Opportunities Fund. The uh, PORS placed 0.8%. They followed it up with another $52 million in the total follow the following year. But the lion's share of the fund is invested in the firms responsible for cryptocurrency tech. Only 15% goes into the cryptocurrencies themselves. This latest allocation then represents a more substantial bet by PORS and ERS on the cryptocurrency itself. It's easy to see why they would want to add some exposure, especially since the systems control billions in investment money, most of that generated from returns on employer and country uh, contributions. A small but not insignificant bet on cryptocurrencies can go a long way. According to data from Nomics, the price of Bitcoin has risen 340% in the last year, which is relatively small when compared to the rest of the market. Ethereum boomed 800%. Solana saw 5,400% rise. And Dogecoin earned returns above 8,700%. Oh my God. Oh, this is not good. It wasn't limited to coins. Governance tokens for DeFi protocols, which allow people to get wrecked. I'm sorry, I spelled to trade and lend with one another without going through an intermediary wrong, saw large gains as well. What appeals to PORS is that crypto markets aren't accurately reflecting cryptocurrencies' true prices. As PORS Chief Investment Officer Catherine Molnar told Bloomberg, quote, it's an area that's going to grow in adoption and interest. We think that it's in inefficient enough, so we think that there are some alpha opportunities to take advantage of. Well, she's probably not wrong, but the problem here is, is that you're living on the backs of stupidity. If you're just investing in Bitcoin, that's one thing, but the fact that you're, gonna, that you're actually looking at Solana and Doge as viable viable products. It's just, it's just laughable. Sorry, man. Now let's talk about another hack. Zabu token price flatlines after $3.2 million attack on Avalanche blockchain. I haven't heard about either one of these, but every single time that I see one of these DeFi things crater, I am obliged to tell you about it. Arjit Sarkar is writing it for Cointelegraph. Zabu Finance 
a DeFi application on the Avalanche blockchain has reportedly been exploited for crypto tokens worth $3.2 million. The removal of a large number of tokens eventually reduced the value of Zabu tokens to zero. That's right, zero. Zabu Finance announced the exploit by asking for help from Avalanche and popular Avalanche-hosted decentralized exchanges such as Pangolin and Trader Joe. Quote, Zabu Team Wallet has not sold a single Zabu. We're under an exploit, possibly from Sporepool. Ooh, they actually called out somebody, possibly from Sporepool. We're investigating the exploit. Need help, Pangolin, Trader Joe, Avalanche, end quote. Based on further investigation, Zabu found the attacker stole the assets from a pool of Spore tokens, which, according to the Blockchain Explorer, included 402.9 wrapped Ethereum, 32,157 WAVIX, uh, 21,501 PNG, 106,000 AVE, 306,000 USDT, and 23,000 Joe tokens, all amounting to 3.2 million at the time of e exploit. Zabu confirmed that the attacker was able to interact with the blockchain contracts and successfully pulled out 4.5 billion Zabu tokens from Zabu farm contract, dumped all to Pangolin LPs and Trader Joe LPs of Zabo, or Zabu, and stole around $600,000. <clears> Soon after the exploit, Zabu and an avalanche-hosted DeFi tool, Yield Yak, <sighs> advised investors to withdraw their holdings or risk losing their assets to the attacker. As a part of the remediation, Zabu intends to return tokens to investors based on their balances before and after the hack. Zabu has also burned the remaining 93.12 million Zabu tokens which was worth $360,000. Avalanche and Zabu have not responded for requests for comment. On August the 30th, yet another DeFi project, XToken, reported a cyber attack, resulting in a loss of nearly $4.5 million. According to Cointelegraph's report, the hacker went through an elaborate process of token swaps, which involved taking a flash loan from DYDX Decentralized Exchange for Ethereum to carry out the attack. In the aftermath, XToken pulled the plug on XSNX product, citing significant surface area for vulnerabilities. All of DeFi has a significant surface area for vulnerabilities. It's the flash loan and the exploiting of the smart contracts because none of them are written well, as far as I can tell. How do I know? I don't. I don't know. Maybe I just look. You know, keep looking, you know, reading stories about how, like, yet one more token's value goes to fucking zero, and somebody lost all their life savings. I don't know. Maybe that's a pretty good indicator that the smart contract isn't written well and is vulnerable to flash loan attack. I just. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, come on. <sighs> now, we're going to end the morning roundup with <clears throat> a sheer amount of stupidity. Robert Stevens writing for Decrypt. Loot creator's experimental Ethereum pet dies shortly after launch. A virtual on-chain pet died moments after its birth when speculators on crypto Twitter spammed it with care, only to discover that its smart contract was riddled with bugs. Oh, who would have guessed? The botched launch of the project Wamagachi shows how its creator, Dan Hoffman, the creator of run, uh, Runaway NFT, hits loot and what Blitmap is so popular that people will ape into his experiments to avoid missing out on the next big thing, even if it doesn't work yet. 
Wamagachi is a single on-chain virtual pet that is kept alive by anyone who sends gas to its smart contract. Call the functions clean, feed, play, or sleep, and you can spend gas to boost the pet's status and keep it alive. Quote, if needs are unmet, it can die, end quote, wrote Hoffman when he introduced the project on Twitter last night. After the pet died, Hoffman quickly released a second iteration of Wamagachi V2, which is still alive. In just over 3,000 transactions, people have spent $52,000 in gas fees to tend to the pet. And you fucking wonder why people, you're seeing people wear masks in their cars. If you're wondering why you see that, look no further. The answer is clear. People are stupid, okay? $52,000 in gas fees have been spent to tend this pet. Hoffman clarified when launching the project that caretakers receive nothing in return besides love tokens. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I'll bet they're tradable here anytime soon. Hoffman released Wamagachi without any images attached to it. Like his popular NFT loot, imagination is what drives value, although NFT engineer Sam Mason DeCaris quickly spun up an interface for the project that depicts the pet as a pixelated ghost. Traders have spent $8,000 to send the Wamagachi to sleep 528 times, $24,000 to play 921 games with it, and $35,000 to clean the formless pet 719 times. The average transaction cost a trader $17, and one person spent as much as $380 on a single transaction. When Hoffman launched the project, he warned, quote, friends, you really don't get anything from this. It's an experiment. Don't do it unless you want to take care of the pet for nothing in return. If you don't get it, don't do it. Don't do it. Do not do it. Thinking about doing it? Do not do it. Not audited. Oh, wow, that's a pretty fair warning there, I guess. <clears throat> Traders that missed out on loot. The adventure game NFT experiment that sold out in a couple of hours and made early investors very rich can be excused for their itchy trigger fingers. Oh, $58,000 from all these different people to keep a smart contract that is desi it's designed to die. The whole contract is literally designed. It's trying to kill itself. It's like Forky. Was it Forky? Yeah, like Forky in the last uh, Pixar Toys movie. If you haven't seen that movie, it's actually <coughs> actually pretty good. But Forky is my favorite character. And it's like he keeps trying to find a trash can because that's where he belongs, in the trash. This contract is exactly like that. This smart contract literally is doomed. It's very nature is doomed. And all these people that have spent this money to keep this thing alive, guys, I don't get it. This is, this is insanity. It's, in, it's insanity. This is even worse than Bored Apes. It's worse than the NFT Ethereum rocks. This contract is designed to expire. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to fucking die. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Can't let Monday go by without a dad says jokes. What's green fuzzy has four legs and will kill you if it falls out of a tree. A pool table.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up episode 476 of Bitcoin. And it was uh, nice being with you this morning. Uh, not much else to say, except uh, don't, don't buy smart contracts that are designed to die. That's a pretty stupid idea. Also, help me, help me help you get the news out, support the show, you know, uh, retweet my show announcement tweets. If, if you see them, that's actually becoming kind of a thing. It's becoming very helpful, in fact. And I do appreciate it. Also, five-star reviews on Apple iTunes always help. Uh, stream me sats from, uh, like, go to newpodcastapp.com and find a uh, find any pod- podcasting 2.0-enabled app and stream me sats, and it will stream directly to my Lightning node. No in-betweeners on that one, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.